as an entrepreneur running your own business and setting your own schedule can certainly be mightily enticing. However, running a small business can have an adverse effect on your body and your state of mind if you're not careful. And according to a new survey conducted by the Bank of America, it found of the 1,001 small business owners who were surveyed for the bank's spring semi-annual report on the state of small business in America, it found that managing a business and their personal stress and anxiety levels contributed to their main sense of worry by a clip of 41%. Dr. Amy Navante is a doctor of physical therapy who helps high-profile entrepreneurs, business owners, physicians, and those in chronic pain or mental trauma alleviate their stress, anxiety, sleep deprivation, as well as helping them recover from orthopedic surgeries so that they don't have to rely on medications. Dr. Navante joined me this week to discuss how to effectively alleviate pain, stress, anxiety, and put yourself in a quality state of mind in order to be your optimum self. I'm Kevin McShan. Let's have this conversation. Entrepreneurs and CEOs eliminate their uh, pain, trauma, and stress. Great uh, to see you uh, this weekend, and uh, thank you for a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, Amy, uh, your day job has you working with busy entrepreneurs and CEOs to help them eliminate stress. Sure. So I started this practice, this method, this business about the end of 2018. I've been developing a process to help people, just in general, but even entrepreneurs, business owners, anyone, calm down the fight or flight nervous system that ramps us up and puts us in a state of fight or flight mode that affects all of our body systems from our cardiovascular to our digestive to our endocrine hormonal system. It affects every aspect of us. And so I work with people to help them learn how to calm down so they can alleviate pain, stress, anxiety, improve focus, attention, performance, energy, 
So we work together through Zoom and I have clients all over the world. And we do this on a weekly basis. We meet and we progress them. And we even do it as a group course because people learn best when they're learning from each other. So we now have a group course where we go through this process as well. Yeah, and aren't you uh, the nickname of the body healers? So tell me how you got that nickname and what it means to you. Sure. So a few years ago, I was at an event and someone had pointed out Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He was there for the event for the whole week and I got to know him and we chatted after I asked him for a book signing, of course, you know, it was a it was a book signing that he was offering for people and I explained what I did. And he had mentioned that he would love some help to deal with some pain issues. And this is all public knowledge because it was in a public area. So it's nothing against, you know, trying to keep privacy. And he asked me on the cruise ship in front of a whole bunch of people to help him. And so I did. And after that, he started going around the cruise ship saying, where's Amy? I need my body healer. And so people came up to me and they're like, wait, are you the Amy that Robert Kiyosaki is looking for? He keeps calling you his body healer. Can you, like, he's trying to find you. So I, you know, that's how I became known was <laughs> that nickname. Well, I'm talking about effective marketing, right? Absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, tell me, I'm wondering your thoughts on how uh, the events of today in society affect our body in the way that we respond, uh, respond to things. Because, you know, there's a lot of things going around these, uh, the world these days. So how does what current events or what's in the news affect our bodies as well? Sure. So we have a variety of stressors. We can have physical stressors, like maybe we lift something that's too heavy or we run a marathon or do something new. We can have mental stressors, emotional stressors, intellectual stressors, spiritual stressors, relationship stressors. There's all these various types of stressors that are out there. And especially with the way the world and the economy is right now, there are even economic stressors, financial stressors, there are you know, pandemic stressors, there are many different types of stressors out there. And each one of those stressors creates a reaction in our body. We may be familiar with cortisol levels going up or adrenaline going up, but there's another type of reaction in our body. And that's our muscles are instructed to contract and put us in a guarded, hyper vigilant, hyper alert mode that then puts us on edge. And when our body senses those muscles on edge, you kind of feel like you're on the edge of your chair. You can't settle. You can't calm down. You can't relax. Your body just gets into this ramped up state and it starts to affect your body and how you move and your stress and anxiety levels. And it can lead to chronic pain, stress, anxiety attacks, things like that. In addition to other host of sleep issues, digestive issues, heart rate issues, blood pressure issues. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, for myself personally, you know, when I, when I'm, uh, when I experience stress, you know, I have a mm -hmm. hard time sleeping and I know you deal with people and help them with their uh, sleep deprivation as well. So how can we effectively manage stress and sleep deprivation? Mm-hmm. 
So they're kind of, it's like the chicken, the egg. Do you deal with the stress first or the sleep first? And you kind of want to try to get both because they both impact each other. Now, if you take an inventory of your life and you look at all the various stressors you have, I highly recommend that you go through and see which ones you can change and shift. So that way you spend more time during the daylight hours being calm. Part of the process I take people through with this unique breathing and body repositioning technique I call the PABR method, P-A-B-R, which stands for pain, awareness, breathing relief. That technique I use to help people experience some calm periodically throughout their day, feel their body relax. That's critical for being able to sleep at night because when you close your eyeballs, your body needs to recognize how to relax and let go. But often because we're ramped up all day long, we're on that hypervigilant mode all day long, excuse me, our body often doesn't know how to sleep and it doesn't know when you close your eyeballs to let that body go. And so that becomes a problem. So all that stress during the daytime in response to those stressors, those threats, those dangers that affects your sleep at night because your body has forgotten how to let go and sleep. So you can see stress can impact sleep. But now if you are a type of person that has that motto, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead, or I'm going to just push, 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 or I don't need sleep. When you go into your, that mindset and you think you don't need sleep, that lack of sleep and that sleep deprivation, because you choose that will lead to your body feeling more in fight or flight mode because you're going to have less energy because part of sleep is deep sleep and deep sleep is helps restore you into that parasympathetic relaxation mode. So if you're missing sleep from like nine to midnight, which is the time when our sleep cycles favor deep sleep, you're decreasing your ability to get into that relaxation mode and decrease stress. So it goes both ways. Absolutely, you know, I, I, I've i been uh, guilty of, of saying the uh, uh, moniker that I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> so I, I, I'm i mm-hmm. guilty as charged, Danny, believe me. So. I, I used to say that too, all the time. And now I'm like, nope, now, now I'm like eight, nine hours every night. Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm getting better, I promise, I promise. Good, good. So I, I'm going to share a little bit of a story with you. So mm-hmm. I used to work at the YMCA here in Windsor and Essex County, and my boss's desk and my desk were right next to each other. And she, mm-hmm. she had always told me, she said, I'm always answering emails. And it got so bad that I would send her emails at five or six o'clock at night and then she made me a sort of sign one of those hypothetical contracts that once I turned my computer off at 4.30 I wasn't allowed to do, to do any more work. So tell me, how do you think we can sort of, sort of uh, put our work life aside in order for our body to re- regulate once we leave the office. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So part of it, it, it depends on what you enjoy doing. 
Now, if your work life is something very sedentary, I highly recommend that you go for a walk when you get home, that you go outside in nature, you decompress as long as it's a good area and you feel like it regenerizes you. If, of course, you're in the middle of a downtown city, you may not like that. So you might have to pick and choose based on your interests. But I highly recommend a walk in the evening to decompress your body. That, in addition to some breathing, positioning, breath work that I teach people to help them decompress and have that pause between their work life and the rest of their life. Because we need almost that transition. Sometimes people use driving home as that transition, but often driving home, if you have traffic, that can be a little bit aggravating too. So even having that second pause in between those two worlds with a walk or some type of positioning with breathing can help create that transition. So then you become less emotionally reactive in your personal life as a result of the stressors from your work life. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, if someone asked you to write sort of a, a cheat sheet or a blueprint on effective ways to eliminate stress, what do you think the top three things would be that you would put on that list? I would say for eliminating stress is clearing out your schedule so you're not compressing too many activities in one time. That's one of the biggest things is people feel a time pressure and that creates stress. The second thing I would say is learn how to calm down your physical body with that's the method I teach is because when your physical body feels calm and relaxed and freely moving, everything else that's a stressor is perceived at a lesser danger, a lesser threat. So if we get you to feel safe and good in your body, everything else is just feels, okay, I can handle it. I have a grip on it. And then the third thing I would say probably is get enough sleep. But those three things can really shift and transform someone's life in a very short period of time. And that's what people want is they want quick, fast solutions. Well, we live in a society of instant gratification, don't we? Absolutely. And, and tell me, how do our breathing patterns influence our nervous system? Because I, I know you work with people uh, in, in that area as well. So I'm wondering if you could share with me this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think of the, the word or action of breathing, we often hear it paired with our diaphragm. So it's an organ inside our trunk that we would like us to use to be able to breathe. Now, if we are maximizing the use of the diaphragm, it can stimulate a vagus nerve that can calm your nervous system down into parasympathetic state or relaxation. The problem is most people do not use their diaphragm as effectively and efficiently as we would like, and instead they use their, breathe, their ribs to breathe. So if you're sitting here right now and you breathe in and you feel your ribs lift up, you know, you're using your, your ribs to breathe. If you can sit here and your ribs stay anchored down and you breathe in and you just feel your lungs inflate, you know, you're using more of your diaphragm. And there's this misconception that belly breathing is diaphragmatic breathing. And it's not really because when people push their belly out, they're extending their abdominal wall. 
they're not really supporting the diaphragm, which needs the abdominal wall in order for the diaphragm to be used for breathing. So if you are breathing through, pushing your belly out or lifting up your ribs, your breath pattern is going to be different and it's not going to pre promote as much relaxation as we would like. The other thing is if you're lifting up your ribs to breathe, your breathing is not going to be as deep. And when you have a more shallow form of breathing that stimulates your brainstem to think you're in fight or flight mode, which also affects your nervous system. So there's multiple ways that our breathing mechanics can affect the way that we feel in our body and how calm we are. Yeah, and when we talk about breathing, you also related to body positioning when we're sleeping and trying to breathe effectively. So I'm wondering if you can draw the correlation for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the way you breathe is dependent on how you position your ribs. If you have your ribs, if you hold your ribs up really high, like that Superman posture or military posture where you have your chest out, shoulders back, you suck up your gut, that's going to change your mechanics so that your breathing is reflecting more of a fight or flight breathing pattern. Your breathing is going to be more shallow. You're closing off your midsection. So you're not going to have as much of a drop of your diaphragm when you inhale. So you're sh shifting away from diaphragmatic breathing into rib cage breathing. So how you position your ribs is extremely critical. Now, if you want to have breathing have a relaxation effect on you and to use more of your diaphragm, we need your rib cage position down so that your side abs are helping hold those lower ribs down to support the diaphragm. So the diaphragm can work in a stronger manner. So how you position the ribs is extremely important on your breathing. And it also affects the rest of your body. If your rib cage is elevated and sticking out in the front, that's going to decrease space for your shoulder joints and your hip joints. And so you're at a higher chance of feeling some impingement or pain in those areas, but it also affects your back. It can also lead to more overuse of the back muscles leading to compression on the back and lead to back pain. And it goes all the way up. We can cock all the way up to the head, all the way down to the toes, but just know your body position and how you put position your rib cage affects your whole entire body. Yeah, absolutely. And now, Ariel, I'm also wondering your thoughts on when we're overly excited or happy about something, how does that sort of affect the way our body reacts to the uh, increased level of excitement? So when you're overly excited about something, you're more likely in that excitatory state. You're kind of in that fight or flight mode. So your body is going to feel a little bit more tense or a little bit, you know, your rib cage may be up, your breathing may be a little bit more shallow and that's okay. It's okay to be in that state for short periods of time, but ultimately our bodies are not designed to stay in that excitatory ramped up state for a long period of time it eventually will crash when it has no more energy. And then you go into a state that's even lower than relaxation. And it's this considered this crash. So, but being excited is great. I, I highly recommend it. Just know that afterwards you need to pull yourself back down so that your body can recover. You save some of your energy and just know that 
you can learn to control it. But yeah, by all means, go be happy, go be excited. Just know how to control your response afterwards. And it takes uh, more energy to be angry anyway, right? So we might as well be happy, right? <laughs> yeah, we need more happy people in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And anyway, I'm curious to ask you about how you define a passion and pr purpose for yourself personally. Um, for me, I'd say a passion is something that I would do no matter what the outcome is in terms of a financial gain or um, recognition, that passion is just something that when you do it or participate in it, it lights you up on the inside. You feel like your soul is satisfied. You feel as though you are living in your purpose, that you are meant to be here for that reason, that you doing that lights up the world and improves the energy and vibration of the world around you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you live out there in Denver. And so what, how do you define that uh, personal passion and purpose? What do you like to do for fun when you're not in the office? Yeah. So when I'm not working in my business and on my business and helping people that way, I am a wildlife photographer and nature photographer. I also hike, I run races and marathons, um, ultra marathons, travel around the world. I have one continent left, Africa, here I come at some point soon. And, um, but that's, that's, those are my ways where I fill up my soul. When you go on that uh, trip to Africa, send me uh, some pictures of your African safari, okay? <laughs> I will definitely have them up on my website. I'll, I'll, I can let you know because it's a great, it's a great desire of mine to get to Africa. I'm so excited someday that I have that privilege. Yeah, you know, you can put it on your vision board, right? It, oh, it definitely is. <laughs> Absolutely. So I mean, I'm going to ask you about inclusion now, because, you know, I was born with a cerebral palsy, and, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you this in the form of exercise and how uh, being included in exercise and societal life affects uh, our bodies in a positive way when we feel included and valued and when we get exercise as well. Yeah. So in terms of like exercise and being able to move, so movement itself has so many beneficial effects on the body and movement does not have to look the same for everyone. Just the fact of contracting, relaxing your muscles, moving a joint, there's so much that happens on a cellular and micro level that allows inflammatory site to inflammatory products to go away, or it allows blood flow, or it helps the nervous system and changes your dopamine and serotonin to boost those. Now, one of the things that I work on with people is our idea of what movement and exercise should look is what it is currently does not mean it's appropriate for everyone. Often a lot of the common exercises that are taught, I modify them because they are often designed to create problems in the body and I change them up for people. So when I look at people and I say, hey, let's do exercise, it's more, what does your body need to free your body up so that you can feel both mobile 
and strong so that you don't feel limited because what your body can do or cannot do is different from every other person in this world. So why would I wanna create an exercise that is just the same for everyone? To me, that, that type of exercise can be limiting because we try to put ourselves into this box and say, okay, well, my body should do this. Okay, if I can't do it, then there's something wrong with me. It's not true. It's just, our bodies are just a makeup of cells and they are just functioning the way that they have been programmed to function. But that doesn't mean that some movement is the correct thing for every single person's body. So it really, when, when someone is looking to exercise or you, know, you have cerebral palsy, I say, we gotta look at your body. What is appropriate for your body to get you to feel the, such those benefits of movement? Yeah, everyone's uh, definition of success is different, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Lily, uh, my final question for you this <laughs> afternoon has to do with your own individual and personal and professional legacy. And if they make your life into a movie, what do you think the plot line would be when they got the legacy part of the movie? Um, I think it would be is how many people I've helped so far and yet to help get out of major orthopedic surgeries and get off medications. How many people whose lives have been transformed in the sense that they've taken one less chemical, they've had one less procedure that affected not only them, but all their loved ones around them. And I think my legacy will be this method I call the PABR method that is currently changing the way healthcare is viewed. Yeah, absolutely. And just one follow-up. I'm wondering if you have sort of a motto or non-negotiables that you live your life by. Um, there's one, but it's kind of a funny one. I, I tell people, ribs down, belly out. Okay. Stop sucking your gut up and in. You can feel such relief by just letting your belly button out a little bit so that your ribs drop down. I can do that. I'm doing that right now. I can just feel this wave of relaxation come over me. If people can just implement that one little thing, and it's a constant reminder throughout the day. I'm sitting here talking to you and my belly button went in just because it's been so ingrained in our in our culture, in our psyche. So if, as soon as I do that, let my belly out, my ribs drop down, I just feel this wave of relaxation. So I would say that's my motto. Uh, very well, very good. And tell me, I mean, if people want to get connected with you and a good work that you do, what's the best way they can do that? Sure. Go to my website, paberinstitute.com. It's P-A-B-R institute.com. You can learn more about my group coaching, courses as well as online one-on-one -on -one coaching well fabulous i mean i have to let you in on a little secret you are, are appearing on the show this week as we are celebrating the uh, completion of our 500th episode so i really wow. want to thank you for helping me uh, celebrate the milestone and for all the good work that you're doing healthcare i mean it was lovely uh engaging in conversation with you and I want to uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Kevin. I really congratulate you on your 500th episode. That's a huge accomplishment.